we just sang a song about people being made new. And last Saturday evening during our uh, worship event, Awestruck, that was held at the Bridge Church, someone, a young lady, actually during that evening uh, came to know the Lord that night, which was really awesome, exciting. Just right in the middle of the whole thing, she just walked out with, with her mom and they just had a time of prayer and, and uh, God rescued her heart and made her new. And man, we celebrate that. That's what this is about. That's why we're here. That's what our mission is as followers of Jesus is to, to help and make disciples who know Christ, live Christ, and make Christ known. If you have a Bible, join me in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, I'm going to be bringing around a, a, a half sheet of paper for you. And so everybody, it's kind of a handout in reference to our study that we'll have this morning. But Luke chapter 1, join me there. We're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 4 this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let me just say this while you're turning here. I need to give a shout out to Matt Duggar. Matt is the one who does a lot of the graphics for our series and different things and so completely volunteers his time, does a great job doing that. I am very grateful for him and for many others. You have Jason, Joseph, and Matt who led us this morning and so many other people in Living Kids that volunteer their time. Um, And I want them to know that that's not going to waste. God is using your time and your gift and, and that you give to the church to make Christ known and make disciples. So I want to say that as we begin Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke writes, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Verse 3. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. If you would, turn your attention to the screen. And who is Jesus? We talk about our mission being, as the church, our mission as the church... Being, we want to make disciples who know Jesus, who live Jesus, and make Jesus known. But which Jesus are we talking about? Because there's lots of religions out there that have a different idea as to who Jesus is. So which Jesus are we talking about this morning? The religion of Islam has a completely different view and understanding of who Jesus is than what I do. The religion of Mormonism believes something different than the religion of Islam about who Jesus is. And there's even things that we differ and believe differently about Jesus than even the Catholic religion. So who's right? Which one has the right Jesus? And does it even matter? Does it matter? This morning we begin a new series in the Gospel of Luke, and we're titling That You May Know Jesus. That You May Know Jesus. And I actually want us to begin this series by going back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. It's where we spent the last four weeks. So if you have a Bible, keep your finger in Luke, chapter 1. But I want you to go back with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Because what I want to do is I want to connect the dots of Isaiah's vision and who he sees sitting on the throne of heaven with who Luke, the gospel writer, is writing about. And I want us to just quickly connect those two dots this morning. So Isaiah, chapter 6. And I'll read verses 1 through 5. 
Isaiah says this. This is 700 years, roughly, well, more than 700 years than when before Luke writes his gospel. Isaiah says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each, were, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory." In verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah cries, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Why? Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So Isaiah sees, sitting on his throne, the Lord Almighty, the King. Now in John chapter 12, verse 41, John reveals to us, specifically who Isaiah sees. And I want to read this. John 12, 41. He says this regarding Isaiah's vision. He says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. So Isaiah encounters Jesus sitting on his throne in heaven. And Luke is going to reveal to us this Jesus as he was revealed on earth. So the line that connects the two dots of Isaiah's vision and Luke's gospel is Jesus. So this king that Isaiah sees seated on his throne is this king who Luke's going to write about that came to earth. They're the same person. And that reveals a lot to us about who this king is and a lot to us about who Jesus is. So it's important for us to connect that dot from Isaiah's vision with Luke's gospel as we begin this series entitled That You May Know Jesus. So why is all this so important? Why is Luke's message important to us? Well, I think Pastor Stephen Cole said it well when he said this. He said, if Luke's message about Jesus is true as he claims, then you can no longer live as you used to. If Luke's message about Jesus is true, Because of who Jesus is and the claims he makes, you can't just continue living the way you lived before you follow Jesus. C.S. Lewis makes this statement. It won't be on the screen, so listen well. He says, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must take your choice. Either this was and is the son, the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. So Luke's message, according to C.S. Lewis and according to Stephen Cole, is incredibly important for us. Let me give you a few reasons why it's important. Because there are some who are here who will say, I know Jesus Christ. I know Jesus. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, and yet your life is no different now after saying you accepted Jesus than before. Nothing's changed for you. You can say the words, you can give verbal assent to Jesus, but there's no evidence that you truly know Jesus. And see, Luke is going to reveal to us a Jesus who doesn't give you the wiggle room to say you know him and then your life not be different. 
Jesus is not a topping that you add to your life. He's not a topping. If, if your life was a pie chart and we were to, okay, here's my Jesus part, here's my work part, here's my parenting part, here's my marriage part, here's my, all these different parts, that doesn't, no, Jesus is the whole thing. He's not just a slice, he's not a topping you add, he takes up the whole thing, he demands the whole thing, he is the whole thing, he's, he's the center of who you are, he permeates all those different pieces to your life. And so Luke's message is important to us because he's going to reveal to us a Jesus that does not give you the wiggle room or me the wiggle room to say, yeah, I know him and then our lives not be different. But Luke's message is also important for us because there are some of us who do know Jesus and we struggle. I struggle to follow Jesus. I struggle in the journey. And Luke's going to reveal to us a Jesus that is so kind and compassionate. And, he's, and sometimes as you follow Jesus, you wonder, is it worth it? It's so hard. It's so hard. And Jesus is going to remind those of us who follow Jesus and know Jesus that he's worth it. He's worth the struggle. He's more than worth it. And so if you're here and you know Jesus, you follow Jesus, Luke's message is important for you because he's going to reveal a Jesus to you. He's going to remind you of who he is and why you follow him and why he is worth believing in and worth living Four. But Luke's message is also important because there might be some of you here this morning or some of you have friends or co-workers who are skeptical about Jesus. They think maybe Jesus is just kind of a good moral teacher or a fable or kind of, you know, through the years, I'm not sure if all this is true about Jesus. Luke's, Luke's message is so critical for someone who's skeptical about Jesus because Luke is going to reveal to us, as we'll look at this morning, that he's all about the facts. In fact, what Luke is going to do, he's going to reveal to us that Jesus is founded on facts. He's founded on fact. Therefore, because Jesus is real and what he said, he really said, and what he did, he really did, you can follow him. You can believe him and you can believe that he's true. So Luke's message is important for every person in this room. And those of us that have friends or coworkers or neighbors that are skeptical about Jesus, Luke's gospel is so critical for us because Luke is going to reveal to us this morning that he took great care in only telling us what is true and what he investigated to be true about who Jesus is. And so Luke believes that there is a Jesus who is worth knowing and his mission worth living. And so this morning, I just want to simply lay out kind of a foundation to the introduction to this gospel of Luke. And you see it there on your handout, an introduction to the gospel of Luke. We begin looking at verse 1 and 2. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now, who's the author of this gospel? The author of this gospel is Luke. He's Luke. Now, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So it's kind of like the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are this two-volume set that Luke wrote. And the first is the Gospel of Luke. And he says that actually in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and I'll read it for us. He says this. Again, he writes the book of Acts to the same person he writes his gospel to. He says, in my former book, so Luke is saying, I wrote another book about Jesus. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So Luke tells us that he wrote another book 
in addition to the book of Acts. And the book he's referencing is his gospel, the gospel of Luke. And Luke, something else that we know about him is he's a doctor. Paul refers to him in Colossians 4, 14 as this beloved physician. Now that's critical when you think about someone that wants to know the details. You want a doctor that looks at the details. I mean, if he's looking at an x-ray of my chest and he knows a spot and sees a spot on my chest, I don't want him going, ah, it doesn't seem like a big deal. That doesn't seem like a big deal. I think you're good to go. All right. No, I want a doctor who's going to go, dude, that's a spot. We've got to investigate that and go after it and figure out what that is. That's Luke. Luke sees something and he's going to investigate it carefully. And that's good. That's good for, for someone that might be skeptical about who this Jesus is. Because Luke is a doctor. He's going to look at the details. Something else we know about Luke is that he's a Gentile, well-educated, and he traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys. Paul, in one of his letters to Timothy, said this, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. So Luke traveled with Paul. He got to be part of the, the shipwreck on Paul's way to Rome. Luke was a part of that. He experienced all of that. So he got to see all this, these miracles take place during the first part of the the movement of the church that you read about in the book of Acts. Luke was there for many of that. We already referenced that he wrote the book of Acts and Luke wrote the book around 60 AD. All right, now that date is really important. It's really important because it's only 30 years or so after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. That date is really important. So what you have here is you have the Church now is in full swing. Jesus is the buzz of the towns. The movement is spreading. But also it means this, that Luke could actually go and speak with eyewitnesses who were there and saw Jesus do the things he did. So he calls up Jethro from Jerusalem and he says, Jethro, I'm coming into town. I hear that you spent time with Jesus and you saw him like walk on water. Jethro's like, yeah, I was there. It was crazy. Hey, I'm coming into Jerusalem. Can we have coffee? And Jethro's like, absolutely, come in, I'll tell you everything that I saw. It's crazy. I remember, remember like it was yesterday. So Luke shows up into Jerusalem, has coffee with Jethro. Okay, I'm just, this is not like verifiable that this happened. Okay, I'm helping you kind of get an idea of maybe what went down. So Luke gets this meeting with Jethro from Jerusalem, and he sits across from him and having coffee, and he's like, okay, man, listen, I want to know just the facts. I just want to know exactly what went down. Don't fabricate anything. Don't tell me anything. I mean, just tell it like it was. And Jethro's like, all right, here's what went down. And then he goes on for two hours. Now, Luke was the type of guy who would hear that, and he'd be like, all right, I got to go double check that stuff. So then he's going to go meet with someone else, and he's going to compare Jethro's story with this other dude, and he's only going to keep that which verifies, and that he knows is exactly true and what went down. So what you have, and that's so critical when you come into the gospel of Luke, because it's going to reveal to us what this means for us, is that Luke is all about the facts. J.C. Ryle, who's a theologian and pastor, he said this, Christianity is built on facts. It's built on a real historical Jesus that really said the things he said and really did the things that he did. And Luke is going to set out in his gospel to confirm that for us. Luke is all about the details and he's all about the facts. And you can see as he opens his letter that he's, he's kind of OCD about the details. He's like, many have taken to themselves a drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So he's saying there's other people that have written things about Jesus. All right. There's other people that have done this. And then just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And then he goes, verse three, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you. 
So Luke's saying there's lots of people that have said lots of things about Jesus and written things about Jesus. And I just thought since I carefully investigated what people were saying about Jesus and I wanted to get to know who this Jesus is, I thought it would be good for me to take my research paper and put it all together. And that's what I'm doing so you, Theophilus, can know exactly who Jesus is and what he said and what he did. And that's so important. As As I said, some of us have friends or family And we've just limited Jesus to an animated picture in a children's storybook. And those aren't bad. But I think sometimes that's who we relegate Jesus to. He's just this fable. He's just this good story. He's just this great thing. And we've lost truly who Jesus is and all that he said and all that he did. And that's what Luke sets out to do. He says, I carefully investigated everything. So when I met with Jethro for coffee, I called up his cousin who was there too. And, I, and so I said, hey, Jethro, you could have said this. I'm, yeah, that, that happened. But let me add a little bit more into what went down. That was Luke, man. He was so into the details. He was so into everything that took place and wanted to know just the facts. And so if you have friends or maybe you're here and you're skeptical, skeptical about who this Jesus is, they need take them to or you begin reading the Gospel of Luke because you can be confident that this book was written by a doctor who cared about the details and wanted just the facts. So you can be confident that when you read Luke's Gospel, what he's telling you about Jesus is true and really happened and he verified it with eyewitnesses. That's so important. And it's so important for those of us that follow Jesus because your faith, it tells us that your faith is founded on fact. There's a real Jesus. And that Jesus who was real and is real and who walked the face of this earth is the same Jesus that Isaiah saw in heaven. And I wonder, church, do we get moved by that anymore? Does that move you? Does that move me? Do you really want to know Jesus? Or have we come to the point in our journey with Jesus where I'm like, I got enough of Jesus. I'm good. Man, my life is crazy right now. I'll get back to Jesus. I know I'm good with him. I know he's good with me. We say, yeah, I want to know Jesus. But we say that to people in the sense of, yeah, sure. Oh, man, we should go grab coffee sometime. Yeah, let's grab lunch. And then we do nothing to follow it up. And I feel like sometimes we treat Jesus that way. Oh, yeah, man, I want to get to know Jesus. And we do nothing to spend time with Jesus. Nothing. Just a couple of weeks ago, actually a month ago, I was having dinner with some friends and a buddy of mine who I had spent tons of time with in ministry, tons of time with. We hung out all the time, and he pulls up in the drive-thru in his car, and we're like getting reacquainted and everything. And I'm like, oh, man, how's it going? And we got to exchange back and forth. We ask each other about how the family's doing, how the kids are doing, and all this stuff. And we always say, right, oh, man, we should grab coffee. We should grab lunch. That was over a month ago. Did I do anything to follow up with him? No. Did I email him? No. Did I text him? No. Did I send him a Facebook message? No. Did he do the same to me? No. I wonder if that's sometimes how we treat Jesus. And we say, yeah, I want to get to know you. But we do nothing. We take no measures at all to spend time with him. And we can take great encouragement from just the fact that Luke is the author of this gospel because he says, listen, I saw Paul. I hung out with Paul. I interviewed eyewitnesses. I'm telling you that this Jesus guy is real and what he did really he did and what he said he really said. And it's it's amazing and you need to know him. Now who does he write it to? Who's the recipient of this gospel 
or this research paper, if you will, that Luke is putting together, he tells us in verse 3, he says, Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent. Now, those of us that grew up in the era of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, that's not what he's referring here. Okay, some of you are like, most of you are like, what? I have no clue. Okay, look it up, Google it later. Anyway, he's talking about a government official. That's the phrase. Theophilus was more than likely a Roman government official, high ranking. And so he's writing this to Theophilus, a Gentile. Luke was a Gentile. So Luke gets Theophilus, he gets his language, he gets his culture. He understands what Theophilus is going to need to know in order to really know Jesus. And so that's important. So Luke's writing to a fellow Gentile. Theophilus is a, is a government official, and it's possible, we don't know for sure, but it's possible that this guy actually funded Luke's research. We don't know for sure, but it's possible that Theophilus said, listen, there's a lot of buzz about this Jesus guy going on. And I don't know who to believe. These people say this about Jesus. These people say this about Jesus. You're telling me this about I want to know the truth. Who is this Jesus guy? And Luke's like, listen, I'm there with you. And Theophilus says, listen, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to fund a project, and I'm going to give you what you need to go find the facts about who this Jesus is. We don't know that for sure. We don't know if that took place, but it's possible and probable that it did because of his ranking as a government official. Now, Theophilus' name it means one who loves God. Now, we're not clear here. Was Theophilus a follower of Jesus, or was he someone that was interested in knowing more about Jesus. We're not really sure, but what we do know is this, that Luke wanted Theophilus to know Jesus. We wanted him to know. He wanted him to know who this Jesus is. And what does this mean for us then that this guy, Theo, is the one who received this book? Well, if it means that you're a, what it means to us is if you're here and a follower of Jesus and your faith is weak or you're struggling to live Christ or your, your fire for following Christ is low, you need to read Luke's gospel. Because Luke writes it to encourage one who loves God. He writes it to encourage you, to strengthen you, to reveal again to you who this Jesus is that you follow. But it's also important if you're here or you know someone that maybe isn't following Jesus and they're skeptical about Jesus because Luke writes this gospel also for someone like that saying, listen, I'm telling you, what I'm telling you in this gospel happened. I verified it. I, I, I got eyewitnesses together, sat down with them. We had coffee. I wrote everything I'm telling you in this book actually took place. And this is, if you want to know who Jesus is, read this because I went to great lengths to tell you exactly who he is. And so if you know someone that's skeptical or maybe someone's not sure who Jesus is, man, get them together and just do a study in the Gospel of Luke. Or maybe that's you. Just start reading the Gospel of Luke and see what God will do as you come in contact with Luke's Jesus. So the author is Luke. The recipient is Theophilus. Why does he write? Why does he write this letter? He goes on. He carefully investigates everything. And then he says this. It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, there's several reasons that I think Luke writes this letter. One is because Luke wants to know the truth, right? In the beginning, he says, listen, tons of people have been writing about Jesus. I want to know who this Jesus is. And so I've done some investigation, so I'm putting it down on paper. So I think Luke is a guy who wants to know the truth about Jesus. He wants to know the facts, so he puts it in paper. 
Luke also writes because he wants to give this guy, Theophilus, an orderly account. Now, literally, that means he wants to explain things precisely as they happened. I cannot stress enough that this book, as you read it, is completely, as Luke is investigating exactly how things went down, and he's so into the facts. He's so into the details. And so he wants to help Theophilus see that, okay, this is what these people are saying, but if you really want to know, here's, here's how it went down. Here's how it went down. I want to give you an orderly account. And then he says this, all this I'm doing, why? Verse four, so that, great phrase, so that, always speaks of purpose, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now that word know means thoroughly acquainted with. Some of us, some of you, you want to know Jesus, but you spend no time with Jesus in the book about Jesus. Luke's saying, you want to become thoroughly acquainted with Jesus, you need to read this stuff about Jesus. (laughs) We spend more time becoming thoroughly acquainted with our fantasy football draft than we do getting to know Jesus. Guilty. Or we spend more time seeing what we might look like as a Charles Schultz Peanuts character than we do spending time with Jesus. Right? Someone spent more time doing that this week than we did actually getting to know Jesus. Guilty. I think it looked just like me. All right? I mean, Luke's saying, listen, if you want to become thoroughly acquainted with Jesus, please spend time reading this. Get to know this Jesus. Get to know him. And he says you can know with certainty. That word certainty means with undoubted truth. A certainty of a proof. It means secure, to be safe. And that's so comforting and encouraging for those of us that follow Jesus because he's saying, listen, if you know Jesus and have surrendered your heart to Jesus and believe in the Jesus that Luke reveals, you can be safe in that because he is true. He's true and you can be safe with him. doesn't mean your life will be safe, but you're safe because you're with him. He's safe. And he says you can know him with undoubted truth. That's why he writes so, so in essence, Luke's saying, listen, Theo, there's lots of talk about Jesus. There's all kinds of books about Jesus. All these different religions, they're all saying different kinds of things about Jesus. There's websites about Jesus. There's apps about Jesus. There's t-shirts about Jesus. There's all kinds of stuff out there about Jesus. And I know it's difficult because you're, you're sure, I don't know who to believe anymore about Jesus. And he's, Luke's saying, that's exactly why I wrote this. I wrote this so that you can believe that the Jesus I'm telling you about is the Jesus, is the one you can believe in. He is worth following and his mission worth living. That's why I wrote this. That's why I wrote it. So what's it mean for us? Luke's purpose, so that you can know the certainty of the things you have been taught about this person, Jesus. It means that Jesus is real, You're following a real person who really said the things that he said. So when he exercised that demon out of the guy in the synagogue, he really did that. And when he walked on the water, this guy you follow really did that. Luke verified it. Eyewitnesses. He's 
checking the facts. He's got the fact checker and he's making sure everything that everybody's telling him about Jesus is true. He's verifying everything. And you can be sure that if you follow Jesus this morning, you follow heaven's king whom Isaiah saw who has come to earth that Luke takes great care to tell us about. Now, as you read the gospel of Luke, which I'm going to encourage each of us to do this week, here's some key themes that I want you to consider. All right. Some would say that the key verse in all of the gospel of Luke is verse 1910, which says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save what was lost. In fact, another key theme is that the, the phrase or the title Jesus uses for himself, son of man, It's one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself because it identifies him with the very people he came to rescue, you and me. And you're going to see throughout Luke's gospel his emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In fact, chapter 1, you see him mention the Holy Spirit involved with John the Baptist, with Mary the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, Simeon the prophet. All those are references Luke makes to the involvement of the Holy Spirit in the ministry and person of Jesus Christ. And so Luke emphasizes the necessity of the Holy Spirit in living a Christ-centered life. Jesus, as you read, is going to read the Gospel of Luke. As you read it, you'll see um, him involving or including a lot more parables of Jesus. Parables were stories or object lessons that Jesus used to kind of come down street level and talk to the people so they could understand in a way that that they could take the good news and understand it in a language that they got. And also throughout the book of Luke, you'll see a special concern Jesus had for the role of women. Luke mentions often names of women who were disciples of Jesus. He mentions their names at his crucifixion. Luke mentions their names at the, at the resurrection. Now that's critical because in first century Rome, women were not valued. They couldn't vote. They couldn't have public vo- office. They oftentimes weren't even allowed to make suggestions. So how beautiful it is that Jesus says, listen, in Jesus' kingdom, in Jesus' reign, listen, women are valued, women are loved, women are needed, and they're involved in spreading the movement of Jesus. And Luke highlights that. That's the Jesus you follow. But also, Luke is going to emphasize Jesus' prayer life and how Jesus understood the connection, the needed connection between he and the Father as he lived his ministry and as he did his ministry. So we got all this stuff going on. So who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? That's exactly the question Luke sets out to answer. And he says, this Jesus that I'm going to tell you about, you can know him with absolute certainty. Absolute certainty. You can know him. You can know who he is. So my question to us this morning, as I ask myself this question, do I really, and I've been wrestling with this all week. Can I just open up? I've been wrestling with this all week. I'm a pretty introspective person. I evaluate my evaluations. All right, analyze my analyzations. I do it. Those of you that know me, you know that. You know that about me. So I'm going through this whole series. I'm like, Mark, do you really want to know Jesus? Do I really want to know Jesus? So then I start asking myself some more questions. So if I really want to know Jesus, how would I know if I really want to know Jesus? See where I go? So horrible being me. Horrible being me. So I start asking, so if I really want to know Jesus, then how would I know if I want to know Jesus? Well, I would know if I want to know Jesus at I spend time with Jesus. God, do I read my Bible, right? I spend time there. But why am I reading my Bible? See, it's miserable. I mean, it's just, it's just like awful. And why am I reading my Bible? It's because I want to check it off the list, say I'm good with Jesus, and I'm good to go and live my, he's a slice of my life, or he got the whole thing. 
Where are you at with that? Do you really want to know Jesus? Luke is going to reveal to us a Jesus that's so compelling and so amazing and so overwhelming that you will walk away going, that's the Jesus I will, I will follow. That's the Jesus I've got to get to know. That's what he sets out to do. And so I want to ask us this question, and I want you to contemplate the question. And I will ask this, I will say, or I will say this, listen, if you say you really, like it did with my friend, oh yeah, we should get together, have coffee, absolutely, nothing happened. If you say you really want to know Jesus, but you do nothing to go spend time with Jesus, then do you really want to know him? Do I really want to go hang out with that friend, get reacquainted with him? We're buddies. We're good. We'll always say hi. I wonder if that's the level of our relationship with Jesus, if that's where it's gone. And so in this series for the next three months, I just want us to get reacquainted with this Jesus we follow. Get reacquainted with him. And so I want to challenge us this week to read the entire Gospel of Luke. It's three chapters a day, just a little bit more than three chapters a day. But as you read the Gospel of Luke this week, I won't ask for a show of hands how many will, but bank in the fact that all of you will. Read the Gospel. It's a little bit more than three chapters a day. As you do, what do you notice about this Jesus? What do you, know, what do you notice about him? Get to know him. Get to know him. Luke says, Theo. I've investigated everything about this Jesus. And I want you, and I did it so that you can know with absolute certainty who he is. So can we, church, just recommit ourselves to getting to know this amazing king of heaven who has come to earth? Pray with me. Father, thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for sending Jesus the king whom Isaiah saw to us, to earth. I'm so thankful that you put within the heart of a man named Luke, a doctor, to record for us what we need to know about our great Jesus. Thank you, Father, for orchestrating that. Thank you for breathing into that truth. Father, I pray for us as a church that we would we would be reacquainted with our Savior, Jesus, and we would get to know this one who has come to us because he loves us. He sought us to save us, to rescue us. So, Father, thank you and forgive us at the same time for the lack of effort and time we, we invest into getting to know our Savior, Jesus. Father, thank you for loving us anyway. Pure grace. And it's in the name of this Jesus we can know. I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing to him.